0: Welcome to the latest edition of CAC Radio, the official radio program of the Cauliflower Alley Club. CAC is a nonprofit organization established in 1965, featuring members of professional wrestling, boxing, and the silver screen. Each edition of CAC Radio will feature important news and happenings within the club. And feature an in-depth interview with special guests. And now, your host of CAC Radio, Cauliflower Alley Club Executive Board
1: Member, David Buckler. And Cauliflower Alley Club Executive Board Member, Morgan Dollar. Hello everyone and welcome to the 57th edition of CAC Radio. Thank you for tuning in wherever you may be listening. We have a fantastic show tonight as we welcome three special guests to the program. Legendary wrestler Brickhouse Brown will be here to talk about his career and how the Cauliflower Alley Club helped him during a difficult time. In addition, Miss Bambi Weevil will be here to discuss her new role as the CAC Director of Communications. And then finally, Matt Riviera will be here to discuss his new role in charge of CAC membership. I am your host, David, and I am joined today by my broadcast partner, CAC Executive Vice President, Morgan Dollar. How are you doing today, Morgan?
2: Oh, David, oh, thanks, I'm doing I'm good, doing man. Good. I'm looking forward to uh, having this having radio this show tonight, talking to Brickhouse Brown, see how all this goes.
1: Well, I know that uh, it's a little kind of a minor miracle we're on the air tonight together because you've had some computer problems lately, right? Is everything okay now?
2: I think so. This Windows 10, man, You, uh, I'm, I'm I'm always positive, so I'm just going to leave at that. But I don't <laughs> care for Windows 10. But I think we're good. I'm actually on my old computer now with uh, XP. I believe it is. I believe it's good. Windows XP or something like that. So, yeah, everything's going good on my end. Good. Well, it's, it's great
1: to record with you tonight. A couple notes from the CAC before we get our guests on the air. The 53rd reunion will be April 30th, May 1st, and May 2nd, 2018, back at the Gold Coast Hotel and Casino. All the reunion details, of course, will be available on the website, caulifloweralleyclub.org. And, Morgan, I think it's so important to have the consistency that we have now with the time of the year of the reunion and also the location. Would you agree?
2: I agree totally, David. Lots of people want to move the reunion to different parts of the country, and just uh, that wouldn't be good. And move locations – Man, everybody really enjoys the Gold Coast. They've stepped up. They've been doing remodeling, and uh, hey, it's it's financially friendly to just about everybody. If you can afford a airline ticket, you can afford a room for. 40 50 bucks a night and
1: mm-hmm. you can't do that
2: on the strip. You're not going to get a room resort fees on the strip is up into the 30s and 40 dollars per night just resort fee. That's not even mm-hmm. counting tax or the room. So, yeah, I think it's very important.
1: I'm glad you mentioned the the Gold Coast and how they've stepped up. I thought this past year Morgan at the 52nd reunion, every single person that I ran into from the person at the front desk to the bartenders to the people who help with the audiovisual, they were just I thought first class all the way, and they always make the Cauliflower Alley Club feel welcome.
2: They really do. they are It's almost like they're part of us, mm-hmm. it, the, the service we get from them. I mean, it's just a great, outstanding organization, company to work with. And as long as my voice is heard, <clears throat> we're going to stay at the Gold Coast. That's just
1: <laughs> the way I feel about it. Well, you and I have not had a chance to talk much about the 52nd reunion since we got back from Las Vegas. How about some thoughts on the reunion? Maybe a favorite speech or a favorite seminar that you enjoyed?
2: I think think it was all good. The GLOW presentation on Tuesday night, to be honest with you, I was not there. I was actually at the airport picking up the raffle belt because it got delayed in the mail, and that was a big fiasco, so... I got back about eight fifteen, eight thirty ish, somewhere around there. I don't remember exactly what time it was, but when I got back, it was over with. I'm like, <laughs> what? I mean, it and I got to talking to people, and everybody said it flowed so good. The the girls done great. The everyone that spoke done good. So Tuesday night I didn't get to see, but I know I heard. I heard no negatives about Tuesday night. Wednesday night, it went off without a hitch. Everything flowed smooth with that. And my main objective to this year was cutting back on as many honorees so Mm -hmm. we could get through the award presentation early enough for people to hang out and enjoy self and not be rushed to go to the room to get in the bed because they have a 6 a.m. flight out of Vegas the next day mm-hmm. and after after it was actually after the awards was over with and all the every all the hoopla stuff was over with people hung around in the banquet room for a long time just socializing because they wasn't tired and they they wasn't rushed to get to their room and th- we need
1: more of that in my opinion. I totally agree, Morgan, and we are the ring of friendship. I thought this year I saw that almost more than ever. I thought thought the nostalgia room was very welcoming this year. uh, The way they had the the, the photo boards kind of moved around a little bit differently. I thought it was a little more flow of people kind of spending time in the nostalgia room. And I I did hear what you're saying. A lot of people really enjoyed the fact there was a little bit more time to spend time swapping stories and having a beer and being together. And that really is what the CEC is all about.
2: That's exactly right. Yes, it's about honoring those that come before us and the present and the future. But at the same time, we're there for the friendship. and, And we need to emphasize that. And that's the way to do it. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, again, the 53rd reunion will be April 30th,
2: May 1st, and May
1: 2nd, back at the Gold Coast in 2018. Now, Morgan, let's welcome Brickhouse Brown to the show. He was brought into professional wrestling by Eddie Graham in the early 1980s and went on to have a very successful career. Brickhouse Brown, welcome to CAC Radio. How are you doing tonight?
3: I'm doing fine, sir, considering everything that's going on with me. I'm doing fine.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you have been very grateful for the assistance provided by the Cauliflower Alley Club. Can you share with us how the CAC helped you?
3: Well, i tell you what. You know, my divorce has not been that long finalized, and it took me, that knocked the starch out of me pretty much so, and I don't have any insurance. And um, all of a sudden, I started losing weight real rapidly, and I thought I was going in for a kidney infection. And it turned out to be they found cancer in my gallbladder and cancer in my prostate and, uh, all up and down my spine oh. and, uh, it's advanced stages. So it's pretty much a wrap. They give me like less than three years.
1: Oh, sir. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Without the cauliflower
3: alley club. I mean, I, I wasn't able to see anybody without any insurance because I didn't have the money. <clears throat> and, uh, Brian Blair and Rocky Johnson had talked to me, and they had told me that uh, the Cauliflower Addict Club was going to give me some money to help me. And I, you know, like I said before, you hear all, all about all of that all the time. And uh, it come out to be. They put a check in the mail after talking with me and uh, doing the necessary steps to get the money uh, they came through for me. So, I mean, I owe a debt of gratitude to the Cauliflower Addict Club a lot of people
2: really don't know about the cauliflower alley club and and when we can help people out like uh, like you for instance hey man if we if we can find out you need help nine times out of ten we're gonna be there to help you
4: yes
3: yeah because it's just i mean yeah i can understand now why people can't afford to get sick because the the money that they send me help a lot but my God, the, the cancer medicine is is like five hundred bucks, and then the pain medicine is like two, and I mean it's it's pretty rough, you know. Mm-hmm. My Medicaid won't kick in until August, so you know it's got to pay everything out of pocket. Well, now
2: House I, I was basically born and raised watching Jim rocket promotions,
3: mm-hmm. so I
2: seen you when you I seen you when you was in the Carolinas and all around, but. But I passed I'm thinking, through briefly. Yeah, and I'm thinking Eddie Graham, maybe was it Eddie Graham that got you in the business?
3: Well, I started down in Florida with Eddie Graham, but I wound up Joe Blanchard is the one that gave me the name Breakouts and actually got me in the business. Oh, okay. Joe Blanchard,
2: yeah. Now, now you ended up in what, Uh United States Wrestling Association, maybe?
3: Um no, I wrestled basically every promotion it was to the work. Um I did Cunningham for the Fullers, I did Fritz von Erich, I did Paul Bosch. I went out to Portland and worked for Don Owens, uh, just the who's who basically.
2: How did you like working with Jerry Lawler?
3: Oh, well, some of my best memories. <laughs> best memories. I I've made a ton of money there working for him.
2: That's exactly right,
3: but everybody that thinks that I started just in the Tennessee territory. But I went out and had a good run in Texas. Uh, the Texas Heavyweight Champion, uh, World Tag Team Champion, three different partners. Uh, I, I can say I had a pretty good run. I'm not sorry. Right, and mm-hmm.
2: you even worked for you worked for the AWA some right?
3: Yeah, yeah. When they yeah. merged with uh, Jerry Jarrett. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: How long? How long was you in the Crockett territory?
3: Not long, probably less than a year. He wanted me to, but uh, Jerry Lawler had made me a bunch of promises, and I wound up going to Tennessee, leaving that way right. too soon because I should have been I, on that crew that uh, went down to Atlanta when Ted Turner bought out Crockett.
2: Right. Because mm-hmm. I remember when you was in when you was in the Crockett promotions. Man, you was you was a health freak. You was chiseled. You was built. You was you was what a wrestler was supposed to look like.
3: Mhm. Well, unfortunately, you know, I, I maintained good health all up until a few months ago, and uh, you know, <clears throat> the, the the disease is attacking my bones, and you know, it's pretty hard to maintain weight. I dropped from two forty down to one eighty. Oh wow. Mhm.
1: Breakhouse, when you were in the Continental Wrestling Association, you won their heavyweight championship and mm-hmm. defeated Max Payne, a very good wrestler. It must have felt so good to be the heavyweight champion.
3: Oh, yeah. Peter defeated Jerry Lawler once for it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I mean, it's a good feeling knowing you're on top.
1: Well, that, and I was going to ask you to kind of explain. To uh, people listening, what it means to be the champion because it's really the confidence that they're showing in you, right?
3: hmm hmm Well, you know, basically, you know, my money went up, and I was always well paid. You know, wrestling. I'm not going to tell any horror stories about it. Uh, I was one of the few guys that actually, you know, made a very good living back then. You know, and I guess basically it was because of the fact that most promoters always wanted to give me a push. Hmm. You know, I mean, it was based on just the way I looked. It definitely wasn't my performance, you know. Because I was green in the mid-Atlantic territory, and Crockett kept me off television for six months until I could have a match. And then they put me on television in my first match. Ernie Ladd uh, was my opponent, and he, uh, you know, he did the favor for me. Yeah,
1: I'm glad you mentioned Ernie Ladd. Uh, you, the list of wrestlers that you worked with during your career is unbelievable. We already mentioned Jerry Lawler. You taught Ernie Ladd, Scott Steiner, Tommy Rich, Rocky Johnson, Dr. Death, Steve Williams. We could go on and on and on. You have been in the ring with the best that this business has ever produced. Do you have any Mm -hmm. favorite matches or favorite opponents to share with us?
3: Yes. My idol, um, the guy that made me want to be a pro- professional wrestler was Terry Funk. Wow. And the night I wrestled Terry Funk in the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis was the greatest night that I ever had.
1: Morgan, you know as well as I that Terry Funk is a big supporter of the Cauliflower Alley Club. He has uh, done some emceeing for us, a uh, mm-hmm. master of ceremonies, and during mm-hmm. our, our award presentations. And, and, and Morgan, hard to find a better guy than Terry Funk, right? Mm-hmm. I was the guy in
3: Florida whenever he would come through, you know, the the work Dusky Rose, I would always I was basically a heel fan anyway, but Terry Funk was my favorite by far.
2: Terry Funk could he could turn the switch whichever way the switch needed to go. He could be the mm. best baby face or he could be the best heel. It didn't matter yes, and the fans still went crazy over Terry Funk. I,
3: I prided myself on that too, you know, I could excel in tag teams, heal a baby. You know, I made money right. doing them all, but I I had my best runs as a heel by far. You know, I guess because I had that demeanor about myself, you know. But, uh, you know, it's just quite a unique story about the way I got into wrestling. You know, I wasn't smart my first match against Hangman Bobby Jaggers in the Hemisphere Arena in front of 2,000 people in the wow. semi main event. They thought that I was smart to the business, but I wasn't smart. You know, I thought it was all a big joke, you know, when Steve Sachs came to give me the finish. So uh, when he came and gave me the finish, I thought it was just the (laughs) real. And I went out there and actually, you know, tried to take the belt from uh, Hangman Bobby Jaggers, and he's in there trying to call spots, and I don't have a clue as to what he's talking about. All I know is... (laughs) This guy that I saw hanging people with a hangman's noose, you know, wasn't going to do that to me, you know. <laughs> so I bet that was
2: a I bet that was an interesting match. Afterward, well, what, did what, what happened
3: was uh, it was it was uh, it was it was, uh, it, was uh, it was horrific, to say the least. I, I didn't <laughs> know what the finish was, and um, Jack Ham, the referee. Uh, tried to smart me up in the ring and he said Don Carson is going to come in and nail you with the gimmick. Just go down and don't get up. They just wanted to get out of the match. And I can remember Don Carson coming in and what he did was uh, he nailed me with a working punch. But I didn't know anything about selling so I thought that was the best punch he had and I said let me show you how to do this and I nailed Don Carson and and picked up that gimmick and (laughs) John Carson rolled out of the ring and he looked around and said, "Bobby, you're on your own with this one," and ran back to the <laughs> dressing room. And Jack Ham got out of the match by uh, disqualifying the match, you know. Oh, and when geez. I got back to the dressing room, I finally confessed to Joe Blanchard, which they can see I never had a match before because I told him I'd been wrestling two years, you know. Back then, they didn't have any vid- videos to see if they seen you with boots and tights on, they figure you can work. That's right. You know.
2: That's exactly right. Well, mm-hmm. do you do you still keep in touch with Coco Beware?
3: All the time.
2: How did you two hook up?
3: Oh, well, Coco and Norville Austin, I first met him in Tennessee when Jerry Lawler gave them the gimmick that Rufus R. Jones and myself had them put together uh, called Mr. PYT. And Lawler had talked me into coming into Tennessee and Jimmy Valiant, um, uh, was going on these Boogie Jam tours, and then uh, I went on uh, Canada with them, and when I got back, Hercules and Mendes told me don't go to Tennessee because I had called and canceled out on them and, and postponed my start date for a month. And uh, Dory Funk Jr., who was booking the Carolinas at the time, told, told me they had me booked in in um, Canada, and I, I could make some good money. So I called Lawler and told him that I was going go to do the Canada's and uh, I would see him next month and he got I guess upset with me and uh, he gave the gimmick to Coco and uh, Norvell Austin as the PYT Express and uh, when I finally left to go to Tennessee they tried to talk me out of going Jim Crockett himself said I think you're leaving too soon but Lala made me a bunch of promises and I, I was real ambitious so I left to go and when I got there you know Coco and had the ring jacket with the ring gloves, and it left me flat as a day-old soda. And um, there are about eight other black guys there, gimmicks, and it left me, you know, with nothing to, to go out and present myself with. Right. And I stayed for about a month or two, and then I called Dora Funk Jr. back up, and um, they had brought in Tez Watley to take my spot. And Jim Crockett liked the way I worked, so uh, he just worked me on house shows and ended up worked on spots that they had for me. I worked like three or four days out of the week. And uh, finally, he sent me back home to Florida for Dusty, and the rest is history. I left Florida and stayed home in Florida for about a year and worked on the Dusty roads and then uh, Junkyard Dog left Bill watch to go to the WWF, And uh, Bill Watson needed another black guy to come in and and get the top spot. And Ernie Ladd recruited me. And the rest is history. I'm just upset right now because I can't play anymore. You know, I, I was wrestling all up until, you know, a few months ago. You know.
2: Right. You mentioned Rufus R. Jones. Man, that's a name I hadn't heard in a long time. He was a hell of a worker.
3: Mm hmm. Yeah. He drew some money in the Carolinas, too.
2: He sure did. He sure mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm.
3: In 1995,
2: you competed in the WWF, including
3: tapings,
2: mm-hmm. tapings against Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and Henry mm-hmm. Godwin. How did you mm-hmm. How did you enjoy working with Triple H?
3: It was a pleasure. I mean, it, it was. I was going out. I was leaving, and I just came in to do a shot to put put somebody over. I knew my role, and I went out and did it you know, same thing with Godwin. I wasn't actually in WWE then. I was basically just going in and doing shots. I actually competed before that, you know, in the uh, World Wrestling Federation. You know, I was in the ring against King Kong Bundy and Dick John stood and they took care of me, you know, right. and they were going to, you know, have some plans for me. But uh, I left and started, you know, um, going to Japan. I was you know, some things happened that, you know, I don't want to get into too much in, you know, with Pat Patterson. So we all know about that. There's no need to divulge on that. But anyway, that's why I left the WWE. I was never fired, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, do
2: you still watch wrestling any?
3: Yes, I do.
1: Right. Well, good. Yes,
3: I do. I'm a, I'm a fan well, of, of WWE. I mean... I look at some of the things that they're doing now and it's just a lot harder now, you know, to tell a story and then sell things. Now you got to damn to break your neck now to get a response because they've educated the people now that that's what it takes. And, uh, that's you wrong. know, it's the same. You got to go do a dive on the floor and hurricane can run a quick dive screws. And these guys won't have 10, 15 years at the max, you know?
2: That's exactly right. Well, mm-hmm. Brickhouse, we're going to wrap this up. Is there mm-hmm. any way people, are you on any kind of social media, on Facebook or Twitter, anything like that, where people can keep up with well, you?
3: Well, I just have a Facebook page that they can go on, you know. Okay. Yeah. Is
2: it is it listed as Brickhouse Brown?
3: Yes, it is. Okay. Just be All right. and I'll be glad to talk to the people. Okay.
2: Okay. You you be sure and keep in touch with Brian and and Rocky and so we can so the CAC can keep up with you and wish you the best man and, and man, right I, we... I
3: appreciate everything that they did for me and I can't explain enough how it made me feel and thank God for the Cauliflower Adam Club. I, I mean it, it came through for me. And I would right. tell I told 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 you guys you can use my likeness or whatever you know. To put over the cauliflower at the club. I'll be glad to do it. I'll even do some interviews by telephone if you wanted me to.
2: Okay. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Hey, I, I really appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us tonight. And hopefully, we'll have you back on here in not too long and do a checkup. See how you're doing.
3: All right, my
1: friend. Thank you for calling me.
2: All right, house Take care.
1: Now it is time to welcome Miss Bambi Weevil to the program. She is our new Director of Communications, and it will be interesting to hear what she has in store for us in her new role as a member of the CAC. Miss Bambi Weevil, welcome to CAC Radio. Hello. Bambi, it's Morgan Dollar and David Buckler with CAC Radio. How are you doing this evening?
4: Hey, good. How are you guys doing?
1: Bambi, thank you so much for being on the program.
4: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here.
1: Congratulations on your new post as the CAC Director of Communications. How did this all come about?
4: Oh, my gosh. So I've been attending CAC for the last few years. I've been a member of the last few years. And um, I just was really excited and enthused about what's been happening at CAC. And I just had to get involved. And so, you know, I contacted you guys and um, started some dialogue back and forth. And here we are.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And how did you originally hear about the CAC?
4: You know what? It's through um, one of the lifetime members, one of my best friends, Greg Ragland. Uh, That's how I heard about it. And for a long time, he was poking me. He's like, "You got to go to this thing. You have to go. You'll love it. You know, please make it to Vegas." And. Um, when I was finally able to go, I, I fully understood what he meant. It was completely like, it's a done deal every year. Like I have to be there. You know, that's, that's what I want to communicate to everybody that he has never heard of CAC or is a member, but has never made the trip to Vegas for the reunion. You got to go.
1: Well, for someone who hasn't been to a reunion, what are some of the events or activities or, or aspects of the reunion that you really enjoy?
4: It's really the ring of friendship, you know, which is important to us as an organization. Just meeting new people that are really excited to be there and are in the business, and you share the passion for pro wrestling. And it's all over the world. Um, you know, I meet new faces every year. It's so exciting. And these are friends that you'll have for a lifetime. It's just, uh, it's, it's incredible. There's nothing like it in pro wrestling. And quite honestly, in any other industry that I've been involved in, um, you know, I'm in marketing as well, and it's just there's no – it's the family that you, you step into that's so key. Um, of course, you know, for me, you know, you could do the seminars, which are so amazing. You get to learn from your fellow peers, um, and then you've got the pro wrestling show at night, and then, of course, the award ceremony. So, I mean, there's just – there's something for everybody. I encourage anybody that wants to make the trip in 2018, which I hope to see you guys there, you know, come, come early go the whole way there's there's so much to see and experience and also there is the nostalgia room um where sponsors and um, talent set up tables and it's a great way to just walk around and support and see what's going on in the community
2: well bambi it's great to have you on the cac radio show and and i'm really looking forward to what you're going to be doing for many years down the road because i know how talented you are in that field but where are you originally from
4: North Carolina. Honestly, Morgan, I'm, I'm just born and raised, you know, high point. I
2: knew that, but I figured the other people didn't. That's why I had to ask you. you know, <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I don't
4: I don't have the accent, so it's okay.
2: <laughs> well, I know you've spent a lot of time in New York working in the marketing industry, so I'm, I'm just really looking forward to what you're going to be doing in the years to come with the CAC.
4: Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Um, I'm really excited about what I can contribute from my background in, in marketing and PR and then, you know, upcoming in the pro wrestling business. I don't have as many years, as many promoters on them, but, you know, I've brought a lot of fresh ideas and I'm so excited because I really value the tradition of CAC. I value the tradition of pro wrestling. I respect everybody that's been a part of the CAC and all the members and everyone that's come before me in pro wrestling. I'm excited to, encourage more women and, and young people to get involved in the CAC. And, and um, it's said every year by the great Jim Ross, and I'm going to echo the sentiment, if you're in the pro wrestling business, you should be in the CAC. Like I'm very passionate about that. The dudes aren't that expensive. $25 a year, you can go to the bar and spend way more than that. And this is something you have that is very valuable to your career. its It's just I can't say enough good things about it.
2: When did you actually become a wrestling fan?
4: Oh my gosh, Um, I grew up on it, so sometime between probably four and six years old, I grew up on NWA, WWF at the time, Um, we watched a little bit of Smoky Mountain, and of course, GLOW, so I mean, I I got to experience all of it, and and then, you know, the traditional WCW, ECW, WWE. But, you know, it was a family affair. My my parents were into it. My grandmother from the Philippines was passionate about it. And so she didn't speak a lot of English, but she knew what wrestling was, you know. So it's just <laughs> something that's been a part of my life, you know. And so it's, it's a, the one bond that my family has. We spend every Sunday pay-per-view. If we're in the same town together and watch wrestling. It's just something that brings us together week after week. And, you know, it, it's a shared passion.
2: Right. Well, now, uh, you're the founder of Masters of Ring Entertainment, which I've actually had the honor of working for. So, for the people that don't know, tell us a little bit about the Masters of Ring Entertainment.
4: Thanks. So, you know, we, we try to go a little bit different. I, you know, more wrestling, Masters of Ring Entertainment. We like to focus on doing things a little bit different, more unique. Uh, we don't run week after week like most promotions do. Um, I choose to do special events, I tend to mix a convention-style format with a tribute event, and I also run a traditional live wrestling show. So, you know, we started off uh, with the event you were involved in, which was a tribute to Jim Cornette. The second event was the first-ever tribute to women in wrestling, headlined by Team Busty, Trish Stratus, and Amy Duma. Um, And then, you know, our last event was last year in July, and it was pretty much just a traditional convention um, style format in Wilmington, North Carolina with a two hour evening show. So, you know, my focus is just to to bring my style, um, which is just, it's really, it's, I respect tradition, but I'm looking to be unique. And so I want to come at the angle with wrestling fans that, you know, you're going to have a unique personal experience that you haven't had before. You're going to see something you're not going to see. This is not the same convention that runs in New York City or down in Florida. You know, we we, we want to make it where it's, it's more personable to the fans and it means something to the talent. That's my goal when I put on an event: is what I attend it, what I personally attend it, um, and and that's how I know I want to do it.
2: Well, we talked earlier about uh, the different companies or the marketing that you'd work for in different companies have you seen a big major change in marketing since you got in the field and do you think it's for better or for worse
4: i think it's a constantly evolving which is why i love marketing you know it's in my blood just like promotion is and to me they're they're one and the same um so social media has been the strongest suit um, but I do think that word of mouth will never go away. I think reputation and branding are important um, no matter what your product or service is. So I'm really conscious, you know, from a from a progress point of view, when I talk to talent or the promoters, I was part of the promoters panel thanks to Ron Hutchinson last this last CAC event. Um, it's always be conscious of your brand. Um, whether you're on the mic, you know, or you're away from the arena, you know, you are still a persona that can be, Uh, treated as such, you know, a fan doesn't care if you're shopping at at Food Lion, you know, but they're going to remember you if you made an impact to them at the store, you know. So, I mean, I think it's really important that wrestlers keep in mind that they are consistently watched, if not by the fan, but by fellow promoters, Um, you know, in terms of marketing, it's always going to be evolving, um, you know, but I think that the the truths are always there. Like they're always going to be the same about respecting and knowing your brand,
2: well, how did you get into the pro wrestling career as a journalist to start with? Because I know you have worked with several different talent. How, what led up to you being able to get bookings for other talent?
4: So it was interesting because I, you know, like I, like most people, I started as a wrestling fan and ended up for as a hobby. When I was about 14, I wrote for Skeets Wrestling. Isaac's out there um, it was a cult phenomenon at the time I was his youngest writer. And so I would contribute columns that way. Um, but honestly, it was really, I, I had contacted Sonny, Tammy Sedge, and I, I wrote her as a fan and ended up heading her fan club. Um, and that's pretty much how I broke in, honestly. I huh. um, ended up doing some talent relations for her, and through word of mouth, got to represent others. And uh, then, you know, I kept that up for a bit and got into podcasting myself. And I uh, did a little bit of wrestling writing with Greg, and and that was a lot of fun. And then it just wove – it kind of wove into my marketing and event production life, and Match of the Ring came from that.
1: That's an interesting story about – writing to Sonny, and and that was the connection there. I I think, Bambi, that she's an example of, like, it's incredible, the highs and lows of pro wrestling and how when you become a fan of somebody, we go on this lifelong journey with them, right? I mean, we think about when she was a big star in WWE, and then we've seen some of the difficulties afterwards. But even though she's not performing in the ring, she's still a wrestling personality, and that's pretty remarkable.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, she doesn't get enough credit, first of all. You know, the fact that she was like one of the most downloaded, if not the most AOL downloaded celebrity at the time. I mean, we're talking Pamela Anderson time was when I knew her really well. And uh, you know, she was at the top of her game, she was the pioneer when it came to valets, really. I mean, I know Miss Elizabeth was around but really set it on fire for the nineties during the Attitude era. Like no one could really come close. Um, to what she had accomplished, and it's been difficult since. If you look at what's happened now, I mean WWE um, is not that interested, you know, in recreating a sunny. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think they've missed the mark a couple of times. So I mean, you know, I was really blessed that Tammy had given me the opportunity to do that for her, um, and I wish her the very best.
1: Mm-hmm. She was at the very first CAC reunion that I attended. And it was, you know, it, along with the Honky Tonk Man and, and a lot of other stars. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about the importance of the CAC. If you, if you love this business, it's, it's a great way to maybe meet a star that you loved growing up or to learn, if you're in the business, about everything this, the, that pro wrestling can offer and how you can even improve in the industry. And that's why we really are going to lean on you, Bambi, as our new CAC Director of Communications because you have a lot of experience and we want to make sure the message of the CAC is getting out there. Talk a little bit about your plan on how you're going to use social media to help spread the word of the CAC.
4: Well, you're going to see a lot more uh, communication. I think that's going to be the big the big kicker. Um, I want to share what I know and love about the CAC which is, the ring of friendship and then the great things we do behind the scenes um, and giving back to the wrestling community. I think that's key. I, I want people to understand that their hard earned money that they are investing in the CAC is going in great, great things and giving back to the business. And so that's what I'm looking to put out there. Um, so in the next weeks, um, that should be out on rolling out. So I'm excited about that.
1: Good, good, excellent. Well, I know all the board members are really looking forward to working with you. You have great energy, great enthusiasm, and, we're, and this is going to be good for for us as the, the board of directors, and, and certainly good for the CAC as well. Uh, Bambi, we thank you tonight for joining CAC Radio. Again, we can't wait to work with you.
4: Thank you so much. I'm I'm honored to be part of the CAC board family. I'm so excited to be helping spread the the word about CAC, and I encourage anybody you know if you haven't. If you're on the fence about becoming a member and you want to talk to somebody that is really involved, contact me. I'm on Facebook. I'm not hard to find. MastersOfRingEntertainment.com. Um, I I want people to understand like this is where you got to be every year. This is worth your time and energy, and um, you won't regret it. It's the it's the one twenty five dollars a year that you, you you will truly spend at a bar that you don't need to put the mm-hmm. bar tab down for a second. Put it back on CAC. AC. You won't regret it. <laughs>
1: Thanks again for being on the show tonight. Thanks, guys. Well, Morgan, you can hear in her voice how much energy she has, and, and again, the enthusiasm that she's going to bring as our director of communications for you and I. I mean, you and I are, are working on the Facebook page. We do the radio show. I think we're really going to benefit from this kind of someone to kind of you know keep the branding, keep everything in line. Uh, you know, our Twitter account, uh, our email, and and kind of get us all going in the same direction. Well, uh,
2: David when Brian Blair, when the president of the CAC, Mr. Brian Blair, when he called me, I was actually out of town, Mm -hmm. and he said, you know, Bambi got in touch with me. She's emailed both of us, and I wasn't able to see my emails at the time. He said, I think she's on to something here. And when I got home, I looked at the email, and I called Brian. I said, Brian, look, here's the deal. Number one, I'm I am excited that she's going to be – she's wanting to do this. And talk to David about it because she'll be working real close to David because of the website, and if David supports it, I'm 110% behind it, and I see nothing, absolutely nothing but good coming out of this.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: I agree, Morgan. I agree, and I think that social media and the way that – companies market themselves now and communicate with their membership has changed so much over the years. And we need someone who is very, very talented and comfortable with all those forms of communication. So again, uh, Bambi Weevil is going to be very helpful to all of us, our new CAC Director of Communications. And now it is time to welcome Mr. Matt Riviera to the program. Matt is now in charge of CAC membership, another very, very important tenant, a very, very important idea for the. Cauliflower Alley Club. We have to keep growing membership. Matt Riviera now in charge of, of ways that we're going to try to do that and we will chat with him about his plans and how he's going to help grow the club. Mr. Matt Riviera, welcome to CAC Radio. Hello. Hi, Matt. This is David Buckler and Morgan Dollar with CAC Radio. How are you doing this evening? Hey, I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Yeah, thank you. Matt, congratulations on your new post as the chairman of the CAC membership committee. Can you talk about how this came about?
0: Yeah, well, it's uh, first off, it's an honor to be on the show. It's uh, been coming to CAC now. This will be my fifth or sixth year, and, and Morgan Dollar was one of those guys my first year made me feel welcome. Him and Carl Lauer was two of the first guys I met, just great guys, and and you know, I sat back the first year and I watched uh, what was going on and and uh, saw how everything operated and said, you know, one of these days I really want to get involved and help this thing grow. And and uh, Brian Blair I think is doing a great job as the president. And I think that this past year that a lot of light was shed on exactly what the CAC does and how it raises money and who for and. And so I think that the, the light is really coming out as to how important the CAC is and what a, and just what a great thing it is uh, that helps so many uh, great wrestlers that are in need.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, you said that you've come to five or six reunions, so you must enjoy yourself. For people that have not been to a reunion before, what are some of the parts of the reunion that are, are really important to you or special to you or that you really, really enjoy?
0: Yeah, well, you know, the reunion... Uh, first and foremost, CAC uh, picked a great city in Las Vegas, Nevada. That's my favorite city um, in the entire U.S. to visit. It's a, it's a great city. It's a lively city, and it, uh, it really fits the CAC attitude of, uh, you know, action and being proactive and, and energetic. Um, the CAC is really, you know, I've seen this thing develop a lot over the past five and six years. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good things about it. The, the seminars or classroom-setting seminars, I guess I should say, the lectureship-type seminars are fantastic, you know, and it's a who's who of, of wrestling and, and, and guys that have real true credentials that have been there and done it, you know, like Jim Ross. Um, I still remember one that I attended my first year there with Bob Root, and that was a great Lectureship that I learned a lot from And Ted DiBiase Sr. was another Good one and those are Fantastic Uh, Mm -hmm. The Networking opportunities at CAC Because there are guys from every Facet of the business that attend this deal Every year And I know that I've received many Bookings uh, in a lot Of different places that I normally wouldn't Get and the most important thing is The new friendships you make you know I met Mm -hmm. A guy named Billy Blade I'd heard of him for years and now he's one of my best friends, um, you know, so uh, it's, it's the people you meet. And then, and then, uh, you know, the banquet is obviously my favorite part and you can step back, have a great meal. The meal this year was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, get your belly full, kick back, relax, have a few drinks in Vegas. And you get to hear once again, and, and this year, and I'm not just saying this, this was the best year of speeches that I've ever heard. I mean, mm-hmm. you could take anyone in the world that wants to become a better speaker and you can look at the lineup of speakers that were there this year, the award winners, from Tolly Blanchard on down, every single speech was a home run. And so that, and and just being around all the legends and the guys that paved the way, you know, before, you know, J.J. Dillon, Great friend of mine now. He's managed me all over the country now and helped me uh, when I was in that tournament for the NWA Western States Aeros Championship. So he managed me, and you know, just to see everybody, you know, it's it's a big family. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, Matt, it's good to have you on here. This is Morgan, if you didn't recognize the voice. (laughs) Um, As much as uh, you and me have had heat in the public eye, consider you a real close dear friend, and, and I appreciate that friendship. You, yeah, I do too. I, I think you'll do real good with this new membership committee position, and we had Bambi on earlier, and she's going to be doing some stuff with the social media, and what you two's going to be doing is really going to help the CAC Grow, you're going to be. It's my understanding that you're going to be directing towards getting more wrestlers and people that's active in the business to become members of the club and start supporting the club. Is that correct?
0: Yes, that that's correct, Morgan. And and I echo those those sentiments a lot, man. You're, you know, I like real people, and, and you've been a real person to me from day one. You know, you are what you are. And uh, I think you're a great guy, and, and and I appreciate that and all your hard work you put in the club. But um, yeah, so Brian Blair, you know, he came to me and said, hey, you know, you're 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 traveling around now a lot, um, you promoted, and you know, now you're mainly concentrate on wrestling. And he approached me about about being the chairman of this membership committee, which basically means that I would uh, I'm going to round up a board of promoters, wrestlers, and and uh, different people alike that I feel are positive uh, role models and that will influence the, especially young wrestlers um, to attend each year, um, which, um, as I listed earlier, I mean, there's, a, there's numerous great things about the club. I mean, it's a no-brainer um, if you're in the wrestling business, especially if you're really cutting your teeth. I mean, this is where you want to be. I mean, this is, uh, uh, first and foremost, we're raising money for, for people in need. That's first and foremost, but then, you know, all the trimmings on top of it, like I talked about the lectureship, um, the, all the different lectures, and then the banquet, and, and, and on and on. But, yeah, that's basically what I'm going to do is, is the old adage is uh, you got to put butts in seats, and the more butts um, that I can help put in, in seats is the more money, in turn, that, that I can help raise for people who need it. And so that's my plan. I'm, I'm still forming my committee, which we'll announce soon. And um, once that's in place, you know, I plan on as long as I'm the chairman of that committee that every single year in that bank would we'll hold it standing room only. And as uh, me and Gene would say, we're going to have them hanging from the rafters. There you go.
2: Well, Matt, how did you exactly get started in the business?
0: Yeah, well, I'll give you a real quick quick. Uh, Story best I can. So so I grew up in a sports family. I had, I had two older half brothers that I you know they I consider them my real brothers. We have a great relationship. But one of them played college basketball. The other one was a great athlete. I played basketball and stuff. And um, so I came from a sports family, and and in turn they were great. They were big wrestling fans, and I was not. I didn't like it. I didn't watch it. And um, when I was 12 years old, we were going to Disney World, and lo and behold, Dick Murdoch was on that plane, and my brothers recognized him. We would have waiting the board, and and My dad struck up a conversation with Dick Murdoch, who you know, six foot five. My dad's six two. So <laughs> as a young kid seeing this guy, you know, tower over your dad, and he was just the nicest guy, you know, but very professional. You know, I remember asking him some, some markish questions, but I was still, you know, respectful with him. But you know, he just treated me treated me great, and and so that experience led to when I came home, I was flipping through the channels on a Saturday night, and I saw um, WCW wrestling on. And I watched it and I'll never forget the first match I saw was Dick Slater and Buckhouse Buck with Colonel Robert Parker. And they squashed a couple of guys. And I still remember seeing Dick Slater. He did a neck breaker and his punches and those faces he made. And man, I was hooked. And from that day forward, I was hooked and met a guy named Bill Ash here who trained me over in Paris, Arkansas. I quit wrestling school twice because I found out really quick that it did hurt. And, uh, But anyway, I finally got it through and had my first match when I was 21 and been very blessed and fortunate uh, to have a good career so far. And I've I've done everything in the business there is to do other than actually ringing out, which I think is kind of funny, but I've done everything else. And and I'm one of these guys, as Roddy Piper would say, I've got the sickness. And and it's not just in the ring, it's the business. Every aspect of the business, you know, I just love it. And I'm sure I'm going to love it till the day I'm dead
2: so you just said on the CAC radio basically that look you give when you get when they start beating you down is from Keith Slater.
0: Yeah, I mean I I like to think <laughs> I've taken some stuff from Dick Slater, you know. I, I try to take a you know, I try to be a melting part of a lot of guys. It, it's easy to tell, you know, who I when you watch one of my matches, it's it's easy to tell who I've been watching the past couple of months because I always incorporate a couple that are moved in, you know, or a couple of spots or a few little things. And, you know, I just, I try to, to me, to be great at something, you got to watch great guys. And that's why I watch, you know, the Bob Orton Juniors, Dick Slaters, Terry Funk, Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson. You know, I try to really... I try not to watch anything bad because I was taught early on that if you watch bad wrestling, it poisons your, poisons your mind and poisons your work, and and I've really found that to be true, um, as odd as that may sound to some people. So thank God for YouTube because I'll I'll go to my man cave and I'll watch Bob Orton Jr. matches for two hours or Terry Funk, and I'll sit there with a notepad and uh, take notes of heat spots and different finishes and just you know different stuff that I see.
2: Well, now, you created traditional championship wrestling. What, what inspired you to come up with TCW?
0: Great question. So, um, I guess, you know, honestly, I saw everything on TV, and, you know, we had four or 500 channels, and I saw some of the stuff on TV, and I thought, well, heck, if, if some of these shows get on, surely I can produce a wrestling show and, and get it on. And so what happened is, you know, I was running independent shows. I was running a show every eight weeks. But what I would do is, is um, the stars aligned, and, and I met a great production guy here. And I have a production background. I have a degree in broadcast journalism. So, so each show we would just we would we would shoot it and we would take notes and kept trying to improve it and and um, formed our own production company. So you know we owned all of our own, which we still own all of our own stuff and still have that production company. But um, we just wanted to see how far we could take it. I mean, the end game um, is what it should be, and that's that's to make money, and that's a lot of it. And you know, I'm really proud of what we accomplished at our at our peak. We were syndicated in legitimately 48 million homes, and and we had some great international deals. And I can't remember honestly. We were in some some countries. Some of them I don't even know how to pronounce the names. But so we had some good, you know, foreign coverage as well through this international syndication company up in Canada. And, and I'm really proud of, of what we accomplished. But, you know, at the end of the day, we, we tried really hard to get some national sponsorship with the coverage we had. And, you know, it just didn't happen. And timing's everything. And, and the timing was not meant to be at that time. So, so we, uh, we stopped doing that. And I concentrated more on wrestling. And, and actually, we're going to be taking a pilot um, on July the 8th in tennessee and it's going to be for a new concept that i've got well, I say new it's an old concept that's going to be new again and it's going to be simply called studio wrestling and so we are uh we're going to shoot that on july the 8th we're going to shoot two one-hour pilots and we're going to shop that around and you know see what the Netflixes is and the like of the world had to say about it because as we all know the way that people consume their entertainment is changing and it's changing rapidly. And so, so there's going to be opportunity for content because content is king and, and a lot of different people are needing content and they'll pay money for it. And, um, you know, since now we have our, all of our own production stuff bought and paid for, and we've got a nice building in Dyersburg with television lights, you know, we have all this stuff. So we got our heads together and put this concept together and said, you know, let's, Let's go in there and let's shoot this pilot. Let's see, uh, see what happens.
2: Matt, can you give us an update on Greg Anthony?
0: Yes. Um, number one, he's doing great. And uh, as most of you know, uh, I got married about three weeks ago. And, mm-hmm. uh, and Greg is, uh, shoot, my best friend, And so he was the best man in my wedding. And it has been, you know, three or four months ago, I was on a show with him and he was backstage. And I said, man, are you okay? And he said, man, I I just haven't been feeling good. And I said, what's wrong? He said, man, I can't catch my breath and my chest hurts. And I said, brother, it sounds to me like you may have a blockage. You know, I think you need to go get your heart checked because I come from a a family history, you know, of heart disease. high cholesterol and, and all that, which i which i constantly trying to fight. But uh but long story short, he went to the doctor, he got it checked out. You know, they they found out real quick he had he had three blockages. His widow maker was ninety percent. And oh three more were seventy. So I mean yeah, I mean it was a it was a blessing. He made it. You know, I remember that day after we had that conversation when he was first having that, I called I said, Man, I said, Do you take an aspirin? He said, no. I said, well, man, you need to stop whatever you're doing and go get you an aspirin and take that thing every day. Because I said, if you do have a blockage, I said, I think that'll save you, you know, until they can get it done. And thank God I did that. I'm not saying I saved his life, but (laughs) I don't think it hurt. And um, so he went in there, and and at first they thought he was going to have a triple bypass and and no secret. I mean, Greg was absolutely devastated because, I mean, he's, he's a passionate guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the wrestling business like I am. But more importantly, I mean, his, his absolute number one passion is in between those ropes, um, wrestling. Because, I mean, Greg is, is one of the most talented athletes, naturally gifted athletes that I've ever seen. And so um, anyway, he went in and instead of having the open heart surgery, they did two stints because one two of the blockages were close together. So they did two stents. He's doing great, he's home, he uh, stayed there a couple of days there in the hospital in Memphis and uh, right now he started a 90 day um, cardiovascular rehab program and and he's going to return to the ring. He's not going to rush it but I, I expect he'll be back in the ring in six to eight months.
1: Wow, that that is a great update, Matt, and and wonderful news, especially for those of us who know Greg very well in his time at the CAC. A really, really nice guy.
0: Oh yeah, Greg is a great guy, and he's a trustman professional. I'm not just saying that because he's my buddy, and you know I've known Greg now a long time. You know we met on a little bitty show somewhere in the south in front of 20 fans, and. And I'd heard of I'd heard golden boy, Greg Anthony, and never seen him work. So I sat down and watched his match. And, man, after I saw him, I said, if I get anything going, this guy's going to be a big part of it because he's super talented. He can heal or baby be the super, super talented heel. And, man, ever since then, every single show I've ever promoted, he's been on it. Hmm. And, uh, oh, he's just fantastic. I don't think there's a bigger mark for Greg Anthony's work than myself. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Matt, congratulations uh, again on your wedding. Everyone from the CAC sends our best to you and, and your new bride. I, I wanted to talk about the fact that you uh, officially retired as a wrestling promoter in 2014 to focus on your own in-ring career. And talk a little bit about your your career as a wrestler to this point. Maybe some of your favorite moments, favorite matches, favorite opponents.
0: Yeah, I did. You know, I, I really quit promoting in 2014. You know, every now and then I'll do a, a fundraiser for somebody that needs money, and, and and I enjoy doing those from time to time. But the days of of uh, you know being the president and and uh, judge, jury, and executioner, if you will, of a of a massive national television production, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to take that on again unless the right the right numbers are on a check. But uh, but anyway, but yeah, you know I. You know, I'd say one of my absolute favorite moments was when, uh, this past year, when I went to Tokyo, Japan, and uh, wrestled over there and was presented with a Ribera jacket at the famous Ribera Steakhouse, and, and you know, it's just a good moment, and you think back to all those times in wrestling school and all the times you were beat up, and the $5 payoffs, and, and on and on, and, and to be in Japan and in Tokyo. and. For for the staff at Ribera to come present you with the jacket, um, I would put that at, at the absolute top of the list. To me, that was that was great to go over there and do that. You know, I've I've wrestled a lot of great guys. Um, the absolute best wrestler that I've been in the ring with, uh, without a doubt, is Jerry the King Waller, hmm. and um, I re- I wrestled him four or five years ago in Dallas, Texas, and. And, and the king is, is it, man. I mean, he's he's absolutely one of the best wrestlers anywhere of all time. I mean, he's on my top ten of all time uh, great workers list without question. So he's up there. You know, I had some really good matches with, with Jay Lethal. He's a good buddy of mine. I mean, Jay's as good as, as anybody in the world. And that's the guy. I mean, he can work any style with anybody. He can work. I mean, he can do anything. And a super, super talented guy, tagging with the Iron Man, Rob Conway, the Iron Empire. That was a, mean, didn't know that was an honor to get to do that because, man, when I was in college, and not trying to to date Rob at all, but, uh, you know, me and my buddies would gather in the dorm room and cheer for law resistance. (laughs) And so to go from that in college to, you know, tagging with Rob, and becoming a three-time NWA World Tag Team champion with him, um, that was fantastic, too. And Rob's a hard-working guy. And, I mean, my goodness, his physique now, just when you think his physique can't get any better, he does it. And then that's a dedicated, dedicated, dedicated guy. You know, so, I mean, they're just, just you know, I'd say just traveling around, doing what I love to do, uh... You know, as a, as a heel or a babyface, I, I really don't care either way what I do. The bottom line is that, that the wrestling fans pay their hard earned money to be entertained and forget about their problems. And and uh, that's Matt Rivier's goal anytime he's wrestling, is, is to provide that experience. And whether that's me making them so mad they want to kill me or, you know, making them want to kill my opponent, uh, either way, I enjoy it.
1: Well, Matt, you are the chairman now of the CAC Membership Committee. Can you tell us about how you plan to grow the membership of the club?
0: First and foremost, you've got to send the troops in arms. So uh, all these guys that are on this committee with me, they're going to have uh, literature and information mm-hmm. to get these guys pumped up and explain exactly what the club is, what it does, you know, who it helps, and how and how that process works. And, uh, so basically I look at the, uh, I guess you could compare it. This, this may sound egotistical and, and I don't mean it to whatsoever, but, uh, but I look at it like I'm, I'm the general and, and the guys on the board are, uh, are, are, are the colonel and, uh, and basically the colonels are going to help get the truth and I'm going to help get the truth too. And we're going to motivate these guys. And, and uh, Tell them what the CAC is all about and, and uh, raise a lot of money for people who need it. And at the same time, you know, help the, the traditions of the business and, and uh, the knowledge that, that needs to be passed on, passed on. And it's just, a, it's just a win, 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 win all the way around.
1: What do you think some of the toughest challenges will be for you? Oh, That's a good question.
0: Well. I say that the challenges, uh, I think they're going to be limited because one thing that Brian did, he said, man, he said, uh, you know, I really want you to be over this thing and I want you to appoint guys that, that, you know, can get the job done and that's what I'm going to do. So, so every guy that's appointed is is going to be a guy that I've known that, that does what he says he's going to do. And we all know that we live in a world where unfortunately there's a lot of people that say they're going to do something and then they, they don't follow through with action. So, so, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to put this team together and we're going to have this, we're going to put together this plan and, and we're going to get people, uh, that haven't been to the CAC there. And, and hopefully our goal is not to, uh, just make them an annual member, but, but, uh, get them in, uh, for, for life like I am. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I guess to answer your question, um, with this being a new committee and a new position, I, I really won't know the challenges until next year. If you ask me the question again yeah. next year, I'm sure I could answer that a lot better.
1: Excellent. It's been great, Matt, having you here on CEC Radio. On behalf of Morgan Dollar and myself, uh, we are extremely excited to work alongside you and, and, the, and the membership committee. Anything we can do, certainly let us know. And we'll have to have you here on CAC Radio again in the near future to hear how it's going.
0: Yes, sir. That sounds fantastic. And, and like I said, it's, a, it's just an honor to, to get the opportunity to, uh, to help the CAC grow. And that was, that was my goal when I first went the first year, was to help make that happen. it's an honor and a, a privilege to work with you guys and my, my good buddy, Brian Blair. And I'm just
1: looking forward to the future. Thank you again for being on the show. We'll talk to you real soon, Matt. Thank you, Dave. Have a good night. Bye Morgan.
0: Take
2: care, buddy.
1: This was an excellent show tonight, Morgan. Great recording with you as always.
2: Oh, I thought it was real great. It, it, it was a great show. We talked about the CAC, which is, you know, that's, that's our thing is the is the ring of friendship and, and helping people, uh, I'm really looking forward to what Bambi's got going on, Matt. You heard yourself, Matt. He's got he's got some good ideas coming up, and he's going to try to increase the membership. And I'm sure he will because he travels all over the place. And Brickhouse Brown, man, you know I remember watching him when he was wrestling for the Jim Crockett Promotions with Jimmy Valiant and Ric Flair and all those people. So it was really good catching up with Brickhouse. And, hey, I wish him nothing but the best. I really do.
1: Yeah, it's a good show because we talked about the mission of the CAC and how it really does help people. So don't forget to check out the CAC website, at caulifloweralleyclub.org, for more information about the club, again, including all the reunion information. And and as we get into the fall here and into the wintertime, we'll start announcing some award recipients and other exciting club news. Until next time, I am David. And I'm Morgan. We hope you've enjoyed the program. Thanks again to our special guests, Brickhouse Brown, Bambi Weevil, and Matt Riviera for appearing on the show. We'll be back soon with another edition of CAC Radio.